Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Third Eye Point of View. My name is Atiyah Salima. And my name is Shine. Today, we have a very, very special guest with us. She's calling all the way from Los Angeles, California. Without further ado, let's introduce Miss Nikki Marshall. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, so before we get into the questions, I just wanted to, um, you know, for those who aren't really familiar with you or what you do, can you, like, in your own words, give us a rundown of who you are and what have you worked on? Sure. So, uh, again, I'm Nikki Marshall from Atlanta, Georgia. I work in music and media rights, specifically in music publishing. I started out with Organized Noise and Outcast, um, and then I went on to run Dallas Austin's publishing companies. And since then, I have been to New York and L.A., and I currently have a position at Warner Chapel Publishing where I am the licensing manager for Sync. So I clear music on behalf of songwriters, including Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar for use in film, television, and advertising. Mm. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I heard Beyonce and I was like, oh, okay. And Kendrick Lamar. Right, yeah. Okay, so the first question I have is, how did you get into the business side of the music industry? Because most people, they want to be rappers, singers, or producers, but you chose the business route. Like, why did you choose that? And was there anybody that inspired you? Um. Yes, there were tons of people that inspired me. I was inspired by Russell Simmons. I was inspired by Puff by Rockefeller, so Jay, Biggs, and um, Dame. Yeah. I was inspired by Jermaine Dupree and by Dallas Austin. Um, I saw people who were who were making business as I was enjoying music. They were still talking about business. Growing up in Atlanta, I remember Lisa Lefty Lopez getting on B103 one night and breaking down uh, royalties breaking down song royalties. So I was inspired by the fact that there were these personalities that were known on the camera side who were discussing the business side. And I knew that um, I can't really sing all that great. Uh, I wasn't really trying to rap. So I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to be involved in music because I knew how much it inspired me and inspired others. Uh, but I also knew that business was important to me because in addition to the people that I've mentioned in my family, I have business owners. And so I was, I was always interested in it. So I just combined the two. Right. And from, from Middle America, when she said Puff, she was talking about P. Diddy. Okay. So, um, <laughs> on your LinkedIn, it said you went to Hampton University. I did. So out of curiosity... Of all the colleges you could choose from, why Hampton? What experience did you get from that school? That's, those are great questions. So I, you know, Atlanta is a, is a really great city. And I grew up in Southwest Atlanta, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, traditionally. And when I went to high school, I wanted to go to high school with people who didn't just look like me. So I went to North Atlanta High School in Buckhead. And that was an experience. It was a great time and it was a great experience, but I knew at the end of those four years that I wanted to go to a college. I wanted to go to a historically black college. I wanted to feel immensely supported and I wanted people that looked like me to pour into me. So I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU. 
Um, living in Atlanta, obviously the AUC is a first look for you, but I wanted to go away from home. I wanted to feel like even though I'm supported and people are pouring into me, this is still going to be a challenge for me. And it's not something that I can like easily run home to my parents and they can fix my problems. Um, and then really going to Hampton's campus and visiting was like, okay, this is like still the deal. It's, it's on a peninsula sitting in the Chesapeake Bay. So it's covered on three sides by water. It's just it's a beautiful campus. So all of that together is why I chose Hampton, and I'm glad I did. It was a great time. This was in 1998, so you know during that time you had Timberland and Missy and Pharrell, like a, Pharrell as a new kid on the block, working down the street in Virginia Beach at Teddy Riley Studio. So they were on our campus a lot. So that was also very inspiring to me in terms of making music and the business behind music seem obtainable and within reach. So did you go to school for licensing or was it just something that you kind of fell into? Uh, it's something that I definitely did not go to school for. I went to school for, I have a degree in marketing okay. and what happened is my sophomore year, I decided I wanted to work in the music business and I contacted my father who is from Atlanta and I feel like knows everybody mm -hmm. and told him that this is what I wanted to do and I sent my resume all over and my dad called somebody he knew and the next thing I know I had like an interview with Organized Noise and when I got there they had just become self-published which was a brand new term to me mm -hmm. I totally thought I was going to be a marketing intern I totally thought I was going to be like throwing parties um, but instead, they gave me the gift of my career. They taught me about publishing and licensing. They gave me tons of books that summer. And Dee Dee Murray in particular gave me the building blocks that would support the next 20 years of my career. So I'm incredibly thankful to them. So what was the beginning like for you, like getting out of college? Was it all like, um, was it easy or was it kind of hard to get into the, the industry and eventually go to Organized Noise? Uh, well, I, I was working with Organized Noise throughout college. Oh, okay. So, so it, was easy to, it was easy to maintain that relationship because they are people who are are really family centric so it wasn't like you work for them and then when you're done they're like all right see you. no they care about you so they're checking on you make sure you're doing well so it was easy to to transition to that position um but it was hard it's hard to come out of college and go straight into work life you know um having to balance your textbook and having to be your own boss in terms of like when to get up and where to go places and how to juggle those things, that part was hard. Right. But the career part wasn't that. It wasn't that hard at all. Right. So being as though you've worked on VH1's I Love the 70s, 80s, and 90s series, I wanted to know how hard was it how hard was it to clear the samples from the older musicians that hip hop in the 80s and 90s heavily used? Mm, it's extremely hard. Um, so there, that's a that's a brilliant question. Um, 
it's extremely hard to to clear that music sometimes and it's heartbreaking when you can't quite find the rights owners Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you can't use songs because you can't determine who the rights owner is and you can't afford to put the network into a position of liability so that part is really hard it's also super stressful when you discover that a lot of the samples from some of your favorite early hip-hop songs are just not clearable so those albums you know may not get heard um if you follow what's going on with tommy boy and de la soul Mm -hmm. that's 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 yeah that's pretty much what it's like to try to clear some of the music from that time and so yeah it's extremely frustrating and it, it can be heartbreaking because you know people are missing out on on money and exposure yeah we just did our our last episode we talked about that whole issue so it's funny that you talked about oh it. look at yeah, that's a big issue. Everyone is watching it. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. From what I saw on your LinkedIn, not only are you very into the music industry, I see that you work behind the scenes on some great productions like 12 Years a Slave and my two favorite shows, Greenleaf and Luke Cage. What was that like? <laughs> um, yeah, those are great shows. Um, so with each of those, I was working more um, as a, like a music supervisor or creating um, opportunities for my music clients on those shows. So 12 Years of Slave, I've been working with Kalei Chestnut for quite some time. He's an amazing uh, Atlanta native um, singer-songwriter. And so he created a composition that was included um, in the film and on the soundtrack. And with Luke Cage, I work with the singer Joy, who is a Tennessee native, but an Atlanta icon. And she actually appeared in the second season premiere. She appeared as a lounge performer and performed two of her songs. And then with Greenleaf, another client and really, really great friend, Savannah native, Atlanta legend, Anthony David, um, Greenleaf had not yet premiered and they wanted to do a scene where Oprah would be talking to someone, having a pretty intense conversation in her nightclub. But this would be the establishing scene for her character and for that location. So they wanted to have a performer. So we pitched Tony and he was able to appear and perform one of his original compositions in that scene. So. So these, these projects are tons of fun for me because generally what will happen is you'll get a call at some point during production and someone will give you a rundown of the film or the TV show. If, if available, they'll provide you with footage of both. And it's, it's really fun when a client gets an opportunity to appear on camera because it's a great time for them, it's great exposure for them and their song. And it's usually a really, a really nice, um, a very nice little feat as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so after, you know, dipping your toes a little bit in the beso- behind the scenes industry when it comes to movies, for mm-hmm. any up and coming art, not artists, but like uh, actors, that's what I meant. Any up and coming actors, <laughs> like that's what I'm trying to do. Do you have any advice they can give to us? Uh, yes. I would say um, for my for any up and coming actors, 
one would be take your craft very seriously. So go to classes, study the methods, and study great actors that you admire. Um, watch their interviews, hear what their motivations were, and some of the experiences that they've had both on and off set. I think that would be um, pretty helpful. And additionally, I would say network. You know, get really embedded in the local arts community so that, you know, you should know fellow actors, you should know directors, producers, you should know cinematographers, and you all should be working together. I think the ability to, to create content that's high quality for low fiscal buy-in right now is pretty, it's pretty good. And Hollywood is paying attention. Hollywood is paying attention to the visual space, it's paying attention to social media, and it's also paying attention to people of color. So it's a great time to be a young actor. So stay inspired. So that's my real advice is stay educated, stay up on your craft, stay connected to your local community so that you guys can create and stay inspired. You kind of talked about this, but I kind of want you to expand on it a little bit more. Um, what was What is your reaction to news about hip-hop artists having to pay the price for their record labels not handling the the mishaps with music samples? Because like De La Soul, they talked about how they have to essentially pay the price and now they're in debt because Tommy Boy didn't handle the issues well. So I want to know what is your reaction to it and how does it make you feel? It's heartbreaking. Um, I think that especially with groups like De La Soul, they were they were such on the cutting edge of that of that technology of that that use mm-hmm. um, that really people have to remember that contracts have to catch up to how we use things, not not the other way around. Mm-hmm. You don't conceptualize a licensing agreement ahead of having a use to be able to like create it from if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. but you know um the cart before the horse and so i feel bad for groups who made it necessary for us to have these licenses because they they did get caught in this weird kind of space where their labels could get away with it to artists now i would just say you know get you a really great music attorney you know not no shade to anyone's cousin who happens <laughs> to be, you know, a lawyer, a real estate lawyer, yeah. you know? Um, you need you need an entertainment attorney. You need someone who has negotiated those deals before because they need to be able to, to explain to you industry standard where it makes sense for your particular situation and where it doesn't. Right. You know, versus just being able to explain to you law in What general. if they can't afford those type of resources like an, an attorney and whatnot? So I'm going to say something now that it hurts me to say because I understand that sampling is a lot of people's kind of first step into music making because mm-hmm. it's a it's an inexpensive way to create. But having, you know, I, I used to work for Warner Music Group on the master side, and I handled sample licenses on behalf of the label. 
if you don't have the funds to afford an attorney, I can tell you that you don't have the funds to afford to clear that sample. Okay. So you can't use it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what it is. If you go to Warner and you want to use, for instance, um, Womack and Womack, they don't scare you. Even if you, and the man, and I want to say that the team that runs sample licenses globally for Warner are some of the fairest and most awesome human beings I know. But if you approach them, they cannot allow you to use that song for less than a certain dollar amount advance. Mm. So if you don't have that, then my suggestion, my suggestion is for young producers, composers, and creators, pick up instruments again. Mm-hmm. Start to learn instruments so that you can create your own samples and really, really focus on creating original content. Because even when you come to someone who is going to try to license your music on your behalf for film and TV, I can guarantee you that a music supervisor will be less inclined to place your music if it includes a sample because that creates another hurdle for he or her, for them to have to go through in order to get this song cleared. So the best best advice business-wise is just create your music wholly and I know it's difficult I know that that's that's saying that's asking a lot of some people but it will be well worth it in the in the future to just learn to pick up some instruments Mm -hmm. girl make your own band create a band like the old days (laughs) yeah seriously I mean I I don't I really I I want to actually thank you for this conversation because I don't think I really thought about that from this perspective until just now but I think that as I move forward, because this is a question that I get often, I usually just tell people, I just say avoid samples, but I realized in speaking to you, I wasn't offering any solution. And so, you know, that is going to be my my new answer to that question every time. Learn, pick up instruments, get with your community, start a band. So, um, yeah, to clear the air about this big issue, I am not supporting these contracts at all. I feel that they're unfair, but at what the same... What contracts again are you, do you think are unfair, huh? I'm sorry. Um, you know, contracts, when it, like De La Soul and Tommy Boy Records. Like you know, business the, contracts. Business contracts. Record labels and stuff. Okay. Yeah, but with that being said, though, I feel like, an important part of discussion is looking at the opposing issue and seeing where the true issue lies. So with that being said, do you feel like any of these contracts have any legitimacy to them? And if so, why would you or would you consider some of these misfortunes to be of the artist's own doing? Hmm. I, I do think, I think that there are some there are some fair contracts out there. There are. Um, how fair your contract is comes down to a lot, a lot of variables. And one of those variables is who your legal and management representation is. 
and how much they believe in you and how much they're willing to fight for you and how much you're willing to fight for yourself and how much you believe in yourself. I, I think the people who have the best deals, in my opinion, um, negotiate these deals after having some independent success because they had they had a, a greater they had greater leverage in the deal making process. I think that working with a major label and publisher is to benefit is to the benefit of some artists and producers for sure. I think that when you look at the infrastructure that a major label provides particularly a major publisher provide to the people that are assigned to it, that's almost like it, it makes no sense in terms of the ability to collect income from various spaces, the ability to promote, and the ability to promote within sister companies is a huge plus. Um, I, I just, I, I always caution against being in a position where financially you need the deal. Um, so I always suggest if you're an artist, a songwriter, a producer, I suggest that you continue to have some kind of income outside of music until you pop off because the moment you really need need this money um, is the moment you put yourself in a, a weaker bargaining. Um, and then in terms of like the artists and their own undoing, you know, I think, again, we talked about this earlier, artists are people and people make mistakes. And also a lot of, for a lot of people, they are looking at numbers that are far larger than any numbers they've ever seen represented in their bank account or someone they know's bank account. So um, educating yourself so that you can understand what comes with that money, what expectations of you, what expectations you should have. And, and these deals, I want to say too, these deals are not just between labels and publishers anymore. These deals are between artists and streaming platforms, artists and brands. Um, so it's just educate yourself. Educate yourself on whatever industry you are, you are standing at the edge of and be sure that you can trust the people around you. And be sure that you are in a space where you're not making decisions haphazardly, that you have time, that you can sit. I think a really good checkpoint is if you feel hurried or rushed to something, if you can't give your, if you don't have the opportunity to give yourself a night to sleep on something, then you probably shouldn't do it. Well, why do you why do you think the problem of artists getting taken taken advantage of is so common in the industry? Because we hear the story a lot, and it feel mm. it feel like it's never really gonna end. So why do you think this is like the main story that all artists can really relate to? I think because you know Nip Nip talked about this, and people talk about this with Jay is because artist Davy is the first artist who owns who owns like a vertical mm -hmm. on his product. And so that's why. Until more artists own a vertical, meaning they they can create, market, distribute, and collect income on their product 
completely and wholly. Until you're able to do that, then you're depending on someone else to do at least one of those steps for you. And you're believing that that entity is going to be fair in their assessment and reporting of that. And I just, I don't think that this is, um, I don't think this, this people taking advantage of people is exclusive to the music industry. I think that it, it is actually very representative of American capitalism. Right. And so I think that musicians have a tendency to be very, um, they are either people who, the people that you hear, the musicians you hear being taken advantage of are either very young, mm -hmm. um, they don't have a lot of exposure again in these tax brackets and in these income brackets. Um, or they are people who are very idealistic and very whimsical and not attached to money at all. Right. And so those groups of people, unfortunately, are highly susceptible to, to being taken advantage of in American capitalist society, and especially in the music industry. So do you think execs and managers, as, as far as like in the music industry, the main people are getting targeted, um, like taken advantage of, are kids, black kids from low income neighborhoods and, you know, don't really come from anything and don't really understand contracts. So do you think they go for those type of people? I, I do think that the ruthless people who do operate within this industry, that they do indeed target certain demographics, yes. That's sad, like really sad, because like kids, kids, they just want to, you know, share their art and stuff. And there's people out there who just want to basically use them to take them to the bank. So that's pretty sad. It is. It's really sad. I mean, this is why I would suggest if you have any listeners who are interested in creating art themselves, especially music, that again, you seek out a, you seek out a, a music manager or a, a lawyer who you trust, mm -hmm. I would try to contact somebody, honestly, who, I mean, I say this and I say this like, I mean, I know some of these people, but I also am like, I don't know how y'all, like how other people would know some of these people other than they're in your community. But I think that's it too, is like reach out to your greater community. Like, especially within people of color and black people, it's not six degrees of separation, it's like three. And right. usually your aunt or your cousin knows somebody who knows somebody. Mm -hmm. And ask that person if you can, if they work in the music industry and they have some respect as a human and you want to sit with them, asking you buy them lunch or dinner in exchange for talking to them. But I think having someone on your side who has experience within this industry but does not have a financial vested interest in you is really important because when people start eating off of you, it, it, it can taint their relationship. So um, to sort of piggyback off of what my partner Tia said, do you think that the music industry would be as profitable if it was not as cutthroat? And I say that to say, I don't agree with 
the artist being taken advantage of. But let's say like uh, that new edition, that new edition um, special on BET, where we first get a chance to see how they get signed to one record label or what have you, and they did get taken advantage of. But at the same time, if I can pay you as little money as I can and you don't know that you're getting cheated out your money, then I'm essentially going to get it made. But at the same time, though, I don't feel like it would be as profitable if the music industry was built more so on equity and trying to get these artists out there. You know what I'm saying? But how do you feel about that? Do you think it would be just as profitable? Um, I mean... Based on based on how you position that question, I don't know that it would be as profitable, but I, I do believe that this industry can thrive with equitable deals in place. I do. I do believe that. And I know that there are other executives and other people within major labels and publishers like Indies who do believe that as well and who are fighting for that because it is embarrassing to see your industry uh, represented in that way and to know that there are those of us within it who want to change that. So I can't I can't speak to whether it would be more profitable or not, because profit is essentially revenue minus cost. I can't I can't speak to that. But I can say that I believe wholeheartedly that this industry that labels publishers, those of us who support and service musicians, I think that we can thrive and be equitable. So we talked about Nipsey a, a little bit earlier, and uh, unfortunately, everybody's been mourning the loss of him. But the one mm. thing that's been kind of, you know, cheering everybody up, making them smile is that he owned all of his masters in publishing and 100% of the purchases that we, the audience and listeners made, went back to him. How important do you think it is to own everything that you create and basically have full um, uh, ownership of your career? It's interesting. Um, first, yes, I want to I wanna go on the record and honor it. I know we talked about it earlier. But yeah, he... Definitely. He had a major impact on my life and on the community that I, I love here in LA mm-hmm. and on the on the entertainment industry. He definitely showed a lot of us different ways to, to get a bag out of it mm-hmm. and to, to value yourself and not let anyone else put a value on you. And I fully respect that and I, I honor that. Yeah. Um, I think Nipsey represents something that's really more, even more nuanced than just whole ownership. You know, yeah, it's so important that you own your that you own your your intellectual property, which is which are your songs, which are any films, and TV work, anything that you create out of your mind is intellectual property. But I also love, or not not but in addition to that, I also love that. Nipsey understood that owning these things turns them into assets. And the great thing about assets in this environment is that you can leverage against them mm-hmm. to get more to get more capital to use towards other things. Mm-hmm. So while he did wholly own his work, he had a publishing deal with Universal and Victory Lap, 
was released on Atlantic. Now he maintained his masters, but because he had put in so much, so much sweat equity into his brand, he was able to come to the table with Atlantic and all his masters, but still be able to utilize the infrastructure that Atlantic and Warner Music Group had globally so that he could make even more money off of his masters. So that points back to a deal where I'm like, we're doing deals, we're doing new deals that make sense. You know, that's a deal that makes sense. And that's where you have to know, even if I own this, I may need to come into a larger system to amplify my message. Do you think um, a family-based team can help slim down the chances of someone being taken advantage of, or do you think family is sometimes one and the same? I mean, honestly, no. I think that family will do you dirty, too. Family might do you more dirt because they think they're entitled. That's, I mean, honestly and truly, I think if you talk to... If you talk to any artist who's been in the game 20, 20 to 25 years or more, they're going to tell you a story about a family member that absolutely tried it because yeah. they're your family right. and they don't think you can really, what you going to do? You going to not be my family? Exactly. Even though I just cheated you out of a hundred million dollars. Um, I think that you want to go for... I'm kind of torn because there's a part of me that wants to be like, you want to go, but you, but no, you need to have like a mixture. You need to have a hybrid. The team needs to be people who truly, truly believe in you. That's number one across the board. Mm-hmm. And if they don't believe in you, they need to be, they need to be asked to leave. And if there needs to be any hard feelings and you don't need to take it personally, but you need people who believe in your vision and believe in you. Second, they either need to be so experienced and have enough knowledge base that you're just like constantly being able to pull from that knowledge base to create a strategy or they need to be so down to get that knowledge so if someone on your team has not even had an internship that's a and they don't currently have an internship uh, currently that's a problem for me because what do they know they're just okay so it's just show up your aunt who's just like to be around like okay what, what are you, eventually when checks start coming in you're gonna have to pay her to do that because you're in the business and you're not you're not on the outside looking in how do you, you know, personally see how a strained relationship between an artist and a record label affect the artist mentally and even creatively? Ooh, it can affect them. It can affect them in massive ways. I think it's super important for people who work within these labels to have actual friendships with musicians because when you don't, I can tell when people have never met. Mm-hmm. I can tell about how they handle them when they call or come in or when they talk about the experience they had. Um, because these are usually deeply sensitive people and not deeply sensitive as though that is like pejorative, but like deeply sensitive in that they're gifted. They get to feel and transmit things. And so 
you know, on the business side, sometimes you have people who aren't as, aren't as sensitive or feeling, and that's why they're put in the position to be the people who negotiate and deal on behalf of the artist. But when they're talking to the artist, it can really, it can impact them negatively if you don't use caution and concern and care. Right. Um, also, you can see, I mean, I see it with Uzi right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, where you you just they feel kind of frenetic and a little all over the place because they don't have a good relationship with their label Mm -hmm. so i think but that's just like you know i want people to understand that artists and their labels that relationship can very much be like an employee with an employer you know even though it's not technically supposed to be that it can be that and so um you know how you feel if you go to, to school, go to work every day, and you're dealing with a teacher or a manager who is just making it hard for you at every turn versus how it feels when you're dealing with a teacher or a manager who wants to see the best out of you, who may see that you're going to stumble at times but help you up. Right. So that's why I say, like, you need to, you have to really stop and think and act. I would suggest, again, anyone who's interested in being signed to a label or a publishing company, that you visit these offices. Don't just let them come to your studio. I know that feels good that somebody came to my studio to check in on me, but go to the offices. You know, before you sign, sit with the people. Ask to sit with people in different departments. You know, get to know the people who are going to be working with you and on your behalf ahead of putting your name on the dotted line so that that you can see how you feel and perhaps then you'll get an understanding of what it will be like to work with them so that you know you won't be as impacted when they start acting less than they were right so you're saying it's good to just get a feel of who you're going to be working with before you basically sign your life away for like the next four years or something like that yeah i definitely think so i mean and i don't and you shouldn't and too and even that part right it's like a marriage you know, there, there are always two ways to look at a marriage. For some people, it's like, man, I'm marrying this person. We're going to go into a partnership. We're going to we're gonna create all these amazing things. We've already sat down and discussed these things. We have a plan. And for some people, it's like, oh, let me go ahead and settle down now. <laughs> you know, so ball and chain. It doesn't have to be finding your life away, especially if you build... It's, and it, yes, it is the artist's responsibility in my mind and in my heart to get to know those people ahead of giving them the honor of partnering with you and distributing your music. Right. Yeah, you need to know who they are. So um, this is my last question. Shine has a few other questions, but this is my last one. So it's going to be, I guess, a little fun. Um, as an exec or manager, I wanted to know how would you convince me, someone who has heard horror stories about labels and all the cons that can go with signing to a label versus being independent, how would you convince me to sign and you know trust you to, ha- to sign to your label or have you be a part of my management team? I mean, for me, I try to lead with authenticity and transparency. So when I'm speaking to um, potential clients or, yeah, potential clients, potentially, 
what I'm saying to them is that I want to show you each step of the way as much as you want. You know, you can be as hands-on or hands-off as you choose to be, but I want you to know that I'm working on your behalf and I'm doing so with the greatest amount of respect and ethics as I can. Additionally, it's really important for me that all of my deals are structured in such a way that 10 years from now, we all still feel, all parties involved still feel good about the deal we're doing. That's important to me because I'm a long-term relationship thinker. Some of my best friends I made through this industry. So I don't I don't take my connections in this industry lightly at all. Right. Um, and also I am someone who I can only support and stand for something that I really love. So if it ever gets to a point, and this has happened before, where I don't feel like I can fully support you in the way that you deserve, that's a conversation I'm perfectly okay having with you because I still want you to win. But I'm never going to allow myself to become a liability on your team. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, so um, these are my last two questions, <laughs> and... <laughs> now, I really okay. want to ask you a thousand one more questions, but right, right. you know you're an amazing I feel person. Like we just got into it. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think the same of y'all, man. Thank you. No, but sadly, you got to be the last two. <laughs> but for this question, and I don't want to speak this into existence, but let's say okay. you know alien abduction happened, you get captured, you leave this <laughs> earth, holy rapture, okay. something like that. Um. If you left this earth today, what yeah. kind of impact do you want to leave behind for people who have the same ambitions that you do? Oh, that's such a great question. And I've actually, this week I've been thinking about this question a lot, actually. Mm. Um, I want to leave, I want to leave behind a similar impact as Nipsey with the people who know me. So if you, if you've ever spoken to me, if you've ever spent any time in my presence, if something, if, if I was to be abducted by aliens today, I would want people to talk about the fact that I believe in myself and I believe in my friends, I believe in my community, and I believe in people of the African diaspora across this world. for my last question if you had to choose one piece of advice to give to someone interested in the music industry what would it be know yourself know yourself and and understand your intentions every day yeah because it's 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 really important that you do a daily check-in because this industry um this is this is the only industry that I've really worked in in entertainment, so I can only speak from from that perspective. But I, I've seen this industry in the last twenty years do amazing good for some people, and I've seen it really tear down others. And the major difference that I can see is that the people who who are doing well and doing well not just by position titles and income, but like emotionally, um, socially they are well are people who stay grounded and they knew who they were 
every day that they came into their office or every day they walked into a studio or every day they got on stage. They, they recommitted themselves every day to who they were. And they've always, in my opinion, when I have conversations with these people, they've stayed very close to their intention. Because I think we make a lot of decisions that don't benefit the greater good when we don't ask ourselves, what is my intention behind it? And sometimes your answer will surprise you because it'll be like, that's a real base level, shallow, okay, but that's your intention. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, unless it's, it's something that goes against who you are. And so that's why it's important at the first check-in be, who am I? Like, I know who I am. I, I know who my parents are. I know the legacy that I come from and I want to move forward. And so no matter the personality that I come against in this industry, I'm never afraid that I'm going to shift from that because I just know who I am. And I know what my intention is. And my intention is to bring light to every person that I meet and to try to help people believe in themselves. So I can't, I can't let, you know, I can't let the, the few knuckleheads and fools and weirdos in this industry take me off that. But I, I can see how easy it is if you don't stay within those two things. So that's, that's my perfect. advice. Mm-hmm. Know your soul and know your intention. Boom. Bam, bam. There it is. Period. Yeah. <laughs> this so, was so much fun. Thank you guys for inviting me. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming on our show. Like, we're just beginners, just trying to figure this whole thing out. So thank you for taking a chance on us and, you know, having faith enough to come on and talk to us. So mm-hmm. thank you. It's my pleasure. Let me know when it goes live. I want to listen to this and to all your other interviews. I think you both did really, really well. And I'm thank excited you. to see what, what's next for you. Thank you. Anytime you're in Atlanta, feel free to stop by or talk to you in person. You know, I need to talk to Maurice about that because <laughs> I have not made a visit to the program, but I would love to come and see you guys. When is the when does this program go through? Does it go through the last part of the semester or it goes through the whole the whole year through summertime and everything? So you're invited through summer. Oh, summer. Yeah. You're oh, invited anytime. okay. Maybe I'll come down for the summertime. You know, definitely. See y'all. That's around my birthday. That could be fun. Yeah. So it's a date then. Oh, well, awesome. <laughs> yes, it's a date. I'm coming to see y'all. Well, thank you so much. If you need anything from me, Maurice has my information. Feel free to reach out. All right. All right thank you. Thank you so much again. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. You too. Right, you Bye-bye. Too. Bye. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you to Nikki Marshall for the interview. And please make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at Third Eye Point of View. And please be sure to love yourself, find inner peace, and keep your third eye open at all times. Peace and love.